Joy. I'm going to talk about joy tonight, but before I do, I need to take a survey. And I want you to be honest. It's okay, however you feel right now. We're talking about the emotions of Christmas, right? And it's okay. However you feel is how you feel. Whether you feel hope, whether you feel love, we covered those the last two, two weeks, whether you feel joy or not. But I need to know who I'm talking to. I need to know if you're full of joy, if you're not full of joy, if you're like, I'm a little, I'm like a one on joy. Like, so if you're like really, really joyful, it's like a two hands up. If you're kind of like, yeah, I'm joyful, that's a one hand. And if you're like, just give me like a glare or something or, or do double, double like thumbs down or something, right? All right, on the count of three, one, two, three, hey, at home. I didn't say three yet. Come on, it's like red light, green light, man. You can't go on red light, all right? So at home, I want you to do the same thing, participate, all right? All right, all right, ready? One, two, three, go. All right. All right, my hope, my hope, just so we're all clear, is that by the end of the service, everybody's two hands up, and that we're like cranked up about joy in Jesus because that is our communion. It's my communion this Christmas. And so that's what we're really going for. And uh, I'm going to open the Bible back up to John. We've been going back to John again and again, so you can get a head start. But uh, let me just say this. Isn't it true that joy comes in some of the most unlikely places? I didn't expect to laugh on the phone yesterday when I was texting uh, Chris Olala, one of our past employees, but uh, I, I accidentally typed a word wrong, and it was Jamie, whatever, instead of no, K-N-O-W, like what the world, I don't know how like spell check got that one wrong, but like, or how my fat fingers did it, but uh, literally, I was into laughing out loud, and suddenly, I was joyful. It comes in the most it just from dumb stuff. You're like, I'm, I'm just happy as a lark. Um, I watched my son, Quinn, earlier today, watching the Incredibles movie. And all of a sudden, I'm like, I'm like watching it, kind of, like out of the, you know, as I'm changing, watching it kind of out of the corner of my eye. And all of a sudden, he just busts out, like belly laughing, like, oh, so funny. And I'm like, why, why is he laughing? There's nothing really happened. But... That's kind of how it happens, okay? Joy comes from unlikely sources. So let me tell you the story about Quinn. Um, I have five kids. How many knew that I had five kids? Great. Okay, I have five kids. I love every single one of them. I'm going to talk about at least two of them tonight, maybe three. But I love every single one of them. And um, the story about Quinn is quite extraordinary. It's a story of pain. It's a story of suffering. It's a story of anguish, as every child birth would be. Can I get an amen, ladies? <laughs> So like, if you've had kids, you're like, ah. But this pain lasted much longer for my wife and I than it ever lasted before. And it was, wasn't physical pain. It was more like an emotional, mental, like, oh, no, what just happened pain. Like, what just happened? Quinn was born. We went through all the ultrasounds. You know, they always ask if you want to do this testing. And I'm like, no, we're not doing testing because we're going to have this baby regardless, Lord willing. Quinn was born, Olmstead Hospital, okay? And, and uh, it was just a little bit weird. 
It's just a little bit weird. For, for one, my, my wife could not get an epidural. They did not have somebody that could give my wife an epidural. We live in Rochester, Minnesota. And so, no one could, like, could you call someone and get them out of bed? There's like hundreds of anesthesiologists within miles. <laughs> just call somebody, right? No, we couldn't do it. Okay, so, so she had a narcotic. First time we ever had a narcotic. That was kind of weird because she was kind of out of it. So I'm there trying to like hold down the hatches, right? She's trying to push out our fifth kid, and it's kind of a little bit tense. All of a sudden, Quinn is born, and Quinn is born blue, as in, is he breathing blue, right? And so it's like, what is going on? His fingers are short. He's short. We have tall kids with tall, long fingers, and he was just different. And all of a sudden, my heart dropped, and I was like, something's wrong. And I don't know what it is, but the air kind of left the room. Joy left the room. Because usually when you have the baby and they're breathing, you're like, woohoo, yeah, and everybody's kind of better but not that day. Joy didn't enter the room. I would say panic entered the room. So they took him over, they bagged him, they got him breathing and all these different things, and then all of a sudden, everybody left. I don't know if you know anything about anything, but we've had five kids. That's never happened before. They've never left us alone with the baby right after birth. Never, ever happened to us. And so I'm there. My wife is kind of hurting. She's a little bit out of it because of the narcotic. And I go over. I'm with Quinn. He's breathing. And I'm like, something's wrong. Something is wrong. And I don't know why. And so rather than there being joy in that moment, there was uncertainty. There was confusion. There was discouragement, even. It wasn't what we had experienced in the first four births. It wasn't the same. Pain, sorrow, grief. But, let me tell you the end of the story. Quinn is playing iPad, our a phone right back there right now. And uh, he's happy as a lark most of the times, unless he tells you otherwise, which sometimes he will. And we are blessed to have him. Quinn has Down syndrome. I don't know if you notice that or don't. If you've been around him long enough, you probably figured it out. But Quinn has Down syndrome. That's nothing to be upset about, honestly. Except for it's not what you expected. Well, today in our message, you're going to get something unexpected. <laughs> right? You wouldn't normally think of the cross of Jesus Christ as a happy thing. When we go to communion, you're like, eh, I'm not happy about this, right? Like, Jesus died for me. There's nothing, like, there's no joy in that, really. And yet, I want you to see three results of the cross of Jesus Christ, and, you know, I, you're going to see joy in it, all right? So, in uh, John chapter 16... 16 through 24, that's our food for today. In the passage, you're going to find the disciples sad, confused, 
discouraged, but also we see the very unlikely and unusual source of joy, the cross of Jesus Christ. Jesus is talking about the fact that he's going to die. He's going to leave them alone. And they don't quite get it, but it's going to become a source of great joy. And that's what he says to them. Let me start in uh, 16, chapter chapter 16, verse 1. If you're online, grab your Bible, get get it out. And um, everybody there? There. Okay, good. Okay. Let's just a little context first, okay? John 16, 1. I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. Wouldn't it be easy right now, believers in Jesus Christ, to fall away? Of all the times in my life, right now is the time I want to walk out the door on faith. It's so hard. It's not easy. I want to sing with all I have, and I have this mask. It's not even fun to be in in a worship service and sing like it used to be. There's so many obstacles why don't we have children's ministry, you know? Where are all the greeters at? Where are all the ushers at? Where, like, if there's any time to back out on, on faith, now's the time. And Jesus says, I've said these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. That's the churches. They'll put you out of the churches. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think that he is offering service to God. That brings back memories of Saul to me. He thought he was honoring God until Jesus showed up on the road. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father. Remember, that's where he's going, to the Father, if you've been following along in our series. Nor me. That's the way to the Father, if you remember from our series. But I have said these things to you that when their hour comes... When the world has its heyday, you may remember that I told them to you. That's just a little context for the cross. That's a little run-in. Jesus is kind of setting them up. This is the last, um, if, you, if you're not, not really familiar with the Bible, uh, chapter 13 to chapter 17 is like Jesus last night with his disciples, and he's telling them everything they need to know. And you want to know what the main topic is? Let's just get it off our chest right now. The main topic is? The Holy Spirit. There's another comforter. He's going to be with you. And you can connect through prayer to the Father and to me, Jesus. Not for the three days I'm in the tomb, but after that. All right. So look down at uh, verse 16. That's our food for tonight. And you can read in between there. I'm not going to take the time to do it, but it'll, it'll set this up even more. A little while. Circle that. A little while. What does he mean by that, a little while? Seems kind of figurative, seems kind of symbolic, seems kind of like, what are you talking about, a little while? Uh, A portion of time that Jesus knows, and you're going to find out. That's what I'll just label it, okay? A little while. And you will see me no longer. And again a little while, and you will see me. Okay, well, now that makes sense, doesn't it? Because we know the end of the story. A little while, it's, 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 what night is it? We'll call it Wednesday night. I'm not sure. Don't, don't quote me on that. 
But if we're going to go three days, let's call it Wednesday night, okay? So it's Wednesday night. Thursday, he's going to die. We always celebrate Good Friday on Friday. I get that, but, but go with me here, okay? And he dies, okay? So from this evening until he's on the cross the next day, and he dies at, say, 3 o'clock-ish, I think he gives up the, when he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So somewhere around 3 o'clock p.m., Okay, so, so that's the amount of time, a little while. Okay, and then he says, and again a little while, and you will see me. So how long was it between when he died on that Thursday, Friday afternoon at 3 o'clock until Sunday morning came? Three days, right? And he didn't necessarily see each one of them on that first day, but a little while was a different time for each of those maybe disciples. Okay, so you're getting the idea. So some of the disciples said to one another, what is this that he says to us a little while and you will not see me, and again a little while and you will see me, and because I am going to the Father. Well, at least they got that part right. Right? Because before they were like, where are you going? I don't go. How's the, what's the way? Now they got it down. Oh, he's going to the Father. So that's good. So they were saying, what does he mean by a little while? We do not know what, what he is talking about. It's confusing. Jesus knew. Underline that in your Bible. Jesus knew. I don't know if that comforts you, but in studying this passage, that really, really comforts me. Jesus knew. Jesus knew what he was talking about a little while. I won't see you. I will see you. Jesus knew. Jesus knew what they were talking about and that they weren't coming to him, but they were actually talking behind his back. Yeah, that's the thing. Jesus knew that they were wanted to ask him. So he said to them, is this what you are asking yourselves? What I meant by saying a little while and you will not see me, and again a little while and you will see me. Verse 20 is the creme de la creme, the part that you need to know. Truly, truly, verily, verily, for sure, for sure, I say to you, you will weep. thought you were talking about joy tonight. Joy comes in the sorrow. Here it is. You will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. Then he gives you this great example. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. Her cross to bear. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also, he's like, I'm drawing a comparison from moms and childbirth and pain, which is transformed into joy. So also, you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. That's a constant joy, an eternal joy. And then he gives you these two verses, which will seal the deal. 
In that day, talk about what that means in a second, you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you receive, that your joy may be full. Just makes me think of across the page in chapter 15, verse 11. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you. Remember we talked about that. My joy may be in you. How is Jesus going to get in you? How is he going to get in you? And that your joy may be full. All right, let's pray. Father God, we are so grateful to be in your house today. We're so grateful to see one another face to face. It comforts us. It brings us joy to see one another. And I am so grateful. We love you, Lord. We give you all the honor, the glory, and the praise. And I pray that we'll leave here in such a tremendous joyful spot and only your holy spirit can do that in us so change us lord we pray change our perspective let us look at you in jesus name amen is there any way we could get all the lights on can we do that guys can somebody flip on all the lights i can hardly see my bible and uh that's always a challenge for me all right i don't know if that's better for the video or less better for the video, but it's better for me and I'm here. Sorry, guys. Um, I want to be able to see my notes and, and, and uh, go after this. So, three results of the cross of Jesus Christ. Before I start, it's hard this Christmas. Harder than I ever remember it before. So much death, terror, evil, fear, uncertainty, and what comforts me about this passage is that's exactly where the disciples find themselves. They're troubled. They're sad. They're full of fear. They don't understand what Jesus has already said to them three times. I'm going to die. I'm going to Jerusalem to die. And after three days, I'm going to raise from the dead. He had already told them that three times. They wrote down that he told them that three times. But isn't hindsight 2020? If you would have told me going into this year that this year would have looked like this, I would have said, shut up. That's no way. There's no way. There's no way. And yet, way. <laughs> way. Here we are. And so I want to encourage you with what can happen here as a result of the cross of Jesus Christ. And we have the cross. It's finished. It's done. Okay, These guys are looking at it from the front side. We're looking at it from the back side. We have 2020 vision. We can look at it and go, what? And that can be us. Here it is. First point. Joy in Jesus comes suddenly. It comes suddenly. Like, you might not have been able to raise your hand today, but it can suddenly change. It can happen in a second. It can transform in a moment. 
Look at it. He says it here. A little while and you will see me no longer, and again a little while and you will see me. So some of the disciples said to one another, what does he say? A little while and you will see me, and you will not see me. And again a little while and you will see me. And because I'm going to the Father, I mean, come on, I'm still questioning that. What's going on? Okay, so they were saying, what does he mean by a little while? We do not know what he is talking about. Are we clear? We do not know what he is talking about. The disciples don't get it. Jesus knew, they, he knew, that they wanted to ask him. And so he said to them, Is this what you're asking yourself, what I meant by a little while, and you will not see me? And again a little while, and you will see me? Is that what you're asking? Is that what you want to know? A little while? Now, I want you just to flip back in your Bible to John chapter 7. Go ahead, John chapter 7, real quick. John chapter 7 and verse 33. This is a key passage. Look at John chapter 7, verse 33. Jesus then said, I will be with you a little longer. And then I am going to him who sent me. Who sent him? The Father, right? God, yeah, good job. All right. You will seek me, and you will not find me. Where I am going, you cannot come. And he goes on to say right after this, you just go read this later. He goes on to say that the Holy Spirit will come. All right, just keep that in mind. All right. And then look at chapter 12. Keep going. Let's just take a little journey through the Bible. It's good to have a Bible. If you have your fake Bible, it's not going so well for you. I'm sorry. Um, unless you're really quick at clicking figures. Okay. John chapter 12, verse 35. John chapter 12, verse 35. So Jesus said to them, The light is among you for a little while longer. Who's the light? Jesus, all right? Good. This is easy. The light is, a, you guys are Bible scholars. The light is among us, among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. All right? All right, then he goes on in chapter 13. If you flip over chapter 13, verse 33, it's just good to tie these things together so you're like, well, this isn't the first time he said a little while. All right? Verse 33. We read this a couple weeks ago. John 13, 33. Little children, loved ones, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, that was just in chapter 7, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. That'll make you sad. No, it won't. Where I am going, you cannot come. You don't want to go to hell and pay for the sins of the world for three days. You don't want to do that. You do not want to follow Jesus there. This is something only Jesus can do. Let him do it for you, for me, and don't try to follow him there. Don't try to pay your own way. He did that for you. Okay, 
Now, Jesus knew, verse 19, Jesus knew they wanted to ask him. And so he said, ask away, or not, I'll just tell you. Verse 20, he makes it clear. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament. You know what weep means? To cry or to wail. You ever done that? Ever cried so hard? Ever wailed? Wail. It, it brings up like a visceral crying, like a like a uncontrollable, like your body's kind of surging, your mind is like just tormented. You couldn't believe that this would happen, but it did. Kind of reminds me of Quinn in that room. It felt like all the dreams, all the hopes had just been shattered. And you just wanted to wail. And yet, you know what? For my wife's sake, for the hospital's sake, I didn't yell and scream. I bottled it up, right? And I just said, God, what are you doing? This doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But I wanted to yell. (laughs) I wanted to wail. You will weep. You will lament. We studied lament this summer. But the world will rejoice. That begs to ask the question, are we different than the world? Are we like, yeah, it's fine. We don't have to go to church right now. It's, you know, it's COVID. Is that like kind of our stance as Christians? Or are we like, dude, I would do anything to go back to church. If I didn't have this physical condition, if I didn't have to quarantine because I was exposed, if I could go, I would be there, right? That's not like the world. There's a passion inside of us. There's a, there's a longing to be together and to be together around Jesus that is extraordinary. It's not the same. There's a difference between us and the world. And I don't know how to describe it. I should have picked a better illustration. I don't know how to describe it to you, but I hope you understand what I'm trying to say. The world rejoices when Jesus' name is taken in vain. Do you? The world rejoices when the church of God isn't doing well. Do we? I hope not. I hope not. You will be sorrowful. Sorrowful. Let me just read for you what that means. Okay? Sorrowful is soul pain associated with profound loss. Soul pain. Deep down inside, I feel it. I've lost something, and I feel it deep down inside. Okay, I've made you feel bad long enough. Here it is. But, I love that. But your sorrow, your sorrow, Abe, my sorrow, right? Your sorrow, Rachel, my sorrow. But your sorrow, what does it say, church? Your sorrow will turn into joy. Your sorrow is going to repent. Your sorrow is going to do a 180. Your sorrow is no longer going to be sorrow. 
When that happened for me was the next day. Quinn was born. I was pretty upset. I had a bad back. I was on my way to the chiropractor. And on the way back from the chiropractor, this doesn't happen every day, so I don't want to make little of it. Basically, I had a conversation with the Lord. And the Lord, in the way he speaks, in your head, not your normal thoughts, said to me, here you go, Steve, let me tell you. Quinn's not broken, you are. And that was a turning point for me. That was a complete change of direction. From grieving, having a Down syndrome kid, a kid with Down syndrome, that's how you're supposed to say it. From grieving that to saying, you know what? Maybe God has something awesome for us. Maybe he's going to use Quinn in a tremendous way to preach the gospel. Maybe, maybe, and the hope started to flood back and the joy started to come back. That's a little early, but that's where it started and it's continued. You have something like that in your life? Something that kind of kicked your legs out from under you and you had to kind of land hard, knock the wind out of you, and you're like, <gasps> there's sorrow, there's anguish. But the Bible says here, your sorrow will turn into joy. What are they going to be sad about? Hey, church, what are they going to be sad about? Jesus died. That's a pretty big deal. That's a lot to be sad about if Jesus is your master. I understand that, right? And, and whatever you're grieving, it's probably a big deal to you too. And maybe it's a big deal to your family and to those around you. But your sorrow will be turned into joy. How's that going to happen? How did it happen for the disciples? A little while, you're not going to see me. Or a little while, you're going to see me. A little while, you're not going to see me. I'm so confused. When am I going to see you? When am I not going to see you? When did they get to see him? They saw him die, sorrow, and then he rose from the dead. Joy. Thomas, did he have joy? What about Thomas? What about chapter 20? What about Mary in chapter 20? Just look at John chapter 20. What, did they have joy? John chapter 20. It seems like Mary's pretty, she stood there, verse 11, Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped inside to look at the tomb. She saw two angels. I'd be pretty happy. Got to see two angels. She ain't having it. Where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? All I want is Jesus. And they're like, woman, why are you weeping? He's not here. He's gone, dude. He's awake. He's alive. He's alert. He's enthusiastic. She didn't get it. So she goes to the gardener. She thinks it's the gardener. She's like, where'd you put him? Ah. You like my Mary impression? Ah. Where is he? Just tell me. He stole the body. She didn't think he was alive. And what happens? 
What does she say? What does he say? He calls her by name. He says, Mary. She's like, what? Right there. Right there. Sorrow. Anguish. Three days. In one instant, turn to joy. That's the point. Joy comes suddenly, but your sorrow will turn into joy. Now, I don't know when that's going to happen for you. I don't know when that's going to happen for me. But I know when it can happen. It can happen immediately because the resurrection has already happened. And so if we right-size what's already happened in our life, that the resurrection of God has already happened, then we can find joy right now. Joy comes suddenly. Here's Here's the key. Today, how does this relate to you? In the future, what happens if we have another church crisis? What happens if we have another pandemic what happens if you lose your job what happens if you run out of money what happens if there's just so many issues like I was that that didn't make me joyful right there (laughs) I get it but couldn't you choose joy in the midst of those things knowing that your eternal standing is secure. I just, I exhort you to, next time you enter into the valley valley of the shadow of death, fear no evil. Because his rod and his staff, they comfort you. Know that the outcome of it, and I wish, guys, I'll just be straight up honest with you. I don't like talking about the past. I wish I could not talk about the past, but it's my past. Okay? So it's just who I am this year, 2020. I wish I could do it all over again because I would do it so much different with so much more joy after reading and preaching this passage. You can go through hard things with joy. You can because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So how is this going to affect me? My joy comes suddenly at the moment I believe in Jesus that he died for my sins and, and I had a ton of joy at 30 when I was baptized When I realized, oh, that's the next step of obedience? I need to do that. And that baptism was amazing. And you know, there's other times I've had a lot of joy. Like when the Holy Spirit, after the day after Quinn was born, said, you know what? He's not broken, you're broken. And flipped that pain upside down and said, hey, hey, I got some things I want to teach you through this child. Those scenarios, the Holy Spirit working in your life, and indwelling you and filling you can cause that pain to turn, that sorrow to turn. The pain and sorrow is from sin, right? Whether yours or someone else's. That's the only reason it's in this earth, uh, on this world anyway. We've got to transform that into joy. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ should do that in our lives. Okay, I've got to keep going. I've taken way too long on that. So, second point. Three results of the cross of Jesus Christ. Joy in Jesus comes suddenly. At the moment of salvation, do you remember the joy you had? Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Renew a right spirit within me, David says in Psalm 51. Number two, joy in Jesus continues securely. 
only two verses here, verses 21 and uh, 22. Here they are. He says, Jesus said, to the, uh, Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. No, I'm in the wrong. Just, I'll go back to 16. I'm in 20. Okay, this will help. This will help a lot. Everybody's here. Okay, everybody's like, when a woman gives birth, what are you talking about? Okay, joy continues securely. Here it is. When a woman gives birth, she has sorrow. I know you guys know what that means. I don't know what that means. That's, that's why I asked my wife what that means. Okay, and I'll tell you in a second. Because it's her hour has come, but when she has de- excuse me, delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also, you have sorrow now, but I will see you again. Why don't they remember that when he was dead? I will see you again. When he was dead, he had said, I will see you again. What do you mean you're going to see us again? And your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. Do you see that phrase? Look at it, church. You might need to do some business with the Holy Spirit tonight. Because this says, I will see you again. Resurrection will happen, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. Can we say that, believers in Jesus Christ? No one will take your joy from you? Can we say that? I'm pretty sure people take my joy from me. But why? Maybe I have my joy in the wrong place. Maybe that's what's going on. There's something there. There's something there that I've, I'm, I'm really getting after. So here's what my wife said. Uh, see, there's labor. And, and so you, you start slow. And that's hard because it takes a long time. And it's, it's like you, you sense it coming, and so there's some fear there. You're like, oh, I've got to deliver this baby out of my body. And then the intensity builds. Her words, not mine, because I'm not a woman. I've never done this. And muscles tighten. And there's pressure and pain. And it affects your whole body. You get the shakes. Feel like you're sick. Because something's trying to come out of you. And you think, what if something's wrong and the child dies, right? Anybody have that anxiety on top of just the pain of the physical birth? There's also emotional pain. And you might think, well, what if, what if that child dies and the pain would be for nothing? What if? The, nine months. So my wife relates to this illustration better than I do, but I've seen her go through it five times, and I have to say to you, it's true. Other than that last birth, at every birth, as soon as the baby was born, Sorrow turned into joy. It was immediate. Boom. As soon as the baby hit the chest of my wife, everything turned in the room on a dime. (laughs) Best illustration of that is Tate. Tate, his birth was like so quick. Second kid, so that had something to do with it. But, But seriously, 
My wife was in a Bible study with two high school uh, young women in Indiana, and I was getting ready to go on a trip to Six Flags Great America the next day with a, with a group of students. And all of a sudden, my wife's like, uh, can you take these guys home? I'm not feeling so well. I'm like, okay, yeah. So I take them home. I come back. She's like, ah, I think we're going to the hospital. I got the stuff ready. I'm like, all ready? Okay, well, let me put Noah down. And, and luckily, we had an intern. He was staying with us. He, he, he watched Noah. <laughs> and we went to the hospital. Here's when I knew what we were in for. We're in the room. You know, they put you in the little room. You ever been in the little room before you get to the good room? The little room? The room where they grill you with like 50 questions they already asked you because they want to know if you're really pregnant and you're really going to have a baby or if they should send you home. And so they're asking my wife all these questions and she's rolling her eyes and she's like, no, I do not want to have my tubes tied. Never ask me that again. Like, you know, all these different things. You know what I mean? Like they, they ask you all these things they've already asked you because they're just trying to feel you out. And you're like, and she was drawing so annoyed. My wife doesn't get annoyed, really. So I was like, what's going on? And then also she's like, da-da-da-da-da. And, and my wife says, I feel like I have to push. Whoop, boom. The clipboard goes shut. Let's, let's, let's go down the hallway. And it was like, done. We got in the room. I mean, seriously, we were in the hospital for 45 minutes. We got in the room, and like 15 minutes later, the doctor barely got there. And she's like, could I have an epidural? And he's like, you can't have an epidural. Like, the baby is here. I can see the head. We're going to go. All right? And, and, and so we had a baby really quick. And all of that pain, it was short that time, was turned into joy. My wife was like, I can walk out of here right now. That was easy. You know? And, and she looked great. She felt great. And Tate was great. He still is. And um, it was joy. Just immense joy happens suddenly, and then joy continues securely. Look at that last phrase again. So, you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take the joy from you. No one. Nobody can take the joy of Tate away from us. Nobody. He could die. Literally, he could die. He could pass on. But we will have that joy for however many years we had with him. Nobody can take that away. Tremendous joy. Joy, uh, everyday joy. It's like that with Jesus too. You could you could die. And that would be glory, right? If you're saved, you're like, well, I'm going to heaven, right? And the people you leave behind they can choose to be sad or to be like, hey, we had all this time with this person. We had all this time. What a blessing that is. I, as believers in Jesus Christ, we kind of got to start having that perspective, I feel like. Thank you for the time we had together rather than Oh, I'm so sad that we're apart. Thank you for the time we had together. Relish it. Cherish it. Joy continues securely. Joy in Jesus. And if, if you just think about it this way. Jesus is talking about new birth here. 
He's like, he's talking about physical birth, physical birth, but no, he's really talking about spiritual birth. You're going to be spiritually born from above, born into heaven. Your name is going to be written in the book of life. Nobody can take that and erase that out. No sin you can do, no other person that doesn't like you can, can scribble that out and say, it's done, nope, nope. Your joy in Jesus is going to continue securely. It is written in the book of life. It is there forever and ever. Amen. Done. I thought somebody would be shouting on that. I mean, I know how much I've sinned. I know how much some people hate me. But to know that, my joy in Jesus is secure. Bam! I mean, come on. That just cranks me up. Okay, i got to get to the last point. Here's the last thing. Joy in Jesus completely satisfies. And you're like, eh, I don't know about that. I don't feel satisfied right now. I'd like to go home and eat dinner. That would satisfy me right now. I knew you were thinking about that. I was thinking about that too. I haven't eaten in a while. Verse 23 and 24. Here it is. In that day. What does that mean? In that day. You will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. Now, there's a lot more to that. I'm going to preach this passage again in uh, a couple weeks uh, in January, and I want to pack this a little bit better then. But joy continues securely. This is how. You have another comforter. You have the Holy Spirit. Jesus came. Jesus went. Yes, he's in heaven. But he sent something. At the moment of Pentecost, people were filled with the Holy Spirit. They've been doing that ever since. You have the Holy Spirit. If you're saved, you have the Holy Spirit. Okay? What my question is to you, does he have you? Does he have you? Does he have your prayer? Does he have your attention? Are you growing more and more in your relationship with the Holy Spirit? I think those things are really, really important. And again, I want to unpack this another time, but I think this Christmas, here's the greatest gift you could have been given. Jesus gave it to you. It's the Holy Spirit. He's given you the Holy Spirit. It's another comforter. He was a great comfort to the disciples. Can you see the sadness when he left? He was a great comfort. And then he died, and then he rose again, and they had joy, and then he left. Do you see them sad in a room again after he left? He ascended to heaven. Did they weep and mourn? Did they have anguish? Why not? What changed? I just want to submit to you, they were, he had already breathed on them the Holy Spirit, but they, you can go look at that in, in, in John, okay? But he also told them to wait for the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit would come upon them in power and that they would do some awesome things. And I'm telling you guys, the thing that's bringing me so much joy is that we have the Holy Spirit. He's still here. We're in the church age. He's still working. And it is completely satisfying when you are full of the Holy Spirit. When you're ready and full of the Holy Spirit, it is completely satisfying. Now, we've come to communion a bunch of different ways, haven't we? 
First week we came to it in confession. Last week we came to it in celebration. This week I want us to come to it in communion. You're like, what? It is communion. Fellowship, to use a different word. I want us to come, we have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Now here's the thing, you might be lacking in your fellowship with the Holy Spirit. You might have grieved him or quenched him. Those are two things that the Bible says. How would I grieve him? Sin. Sin when you know it's wrong. <laughs> go look at whatever you want. Go say whatever you want. Go eat whatever you want. Go do whatever you want. When you know that that's not pleasing to God. That's how you grieve or quench the Spirit. When the Spirit tells you, you need to do this, you need to say that, and you decide not to do this or say that, what happens? You grieve or quench the Holy Spirit. So today, I want to come to the cross of Jesus Christ, which to many people is a symbol of persecution and suffering, but to us, it's a symbol of joy. And I want you to come to that and go, you know what the real joy is? Not that someday Jesus and I will be face to face and someday Jesus and I will be good. But he says, in that day, right? And I could prove to you, but not right now. In that day isn't when Jesus comes back. In that day is now. We should be talking to our Father. In that day now, we should have communion with Jesus and the Father through the Holy Spirit. In that day now. And so as I come to this, I want to confess all known sin, yes. And I want to celebrate the blood of Jesus Christ is over my sin. Bam! But you know what else? I want to be in fellowship with the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ our Lord, and God my Father right now. And if you do that right now, confess all known sin. Celebrate the fact that Jesus Christ paid for that sin. Great. And ask the Holy Spirit to fill you. Ask Him to come and fill you up, head to toe, finger to finger, right? Ask Him to fill you up and to dwell in you. Like it says in chapter 7, rivers of living water flowing from you. There's enough for you and everyone else in the room too. When you do that, you will be in communion, in fellowship with the God of the universe. That's how we're coming to communion today. All right. This is his body. The body of Jesus Christ. Right? This is how we know God. God's even real. He took on flesh, right? And he lived among us. And he did that to prove to you, to show you that he's real and that his love for you is real. And he died on a cross and his body was broken. Let's do this in remembrance of him. And then the cup. This is his blood. The blood that washes your sin stain away. It's interesting how Christ's blood can wash you clean. But it can. Take a second now. Where do I need to be washed clean? That's confession. Confession. 
he has washed you clean already if you've accepted him by faith. That's celebration. Woohoo! Right now, can we stay in that all the time? That's communion. That's fellowship. I think that's why he made it bread and wine, because you have to eat. You eat every day, multiple times a day. And every time you eat, we do this. What happens if tomorrow you get up and you eat and you pray before you eat and you say, God, thank you? What happens? Wouldn't it be awesome? That's why he gives you this. A good check-in three times a day at least. Okay, you teenage boys, five or six times a day. Good check. Jesus knew you needed a good check-in, right? A couple times a day. All right. His blood washes us clean. And these things we do in remembrance of him, right? We remember that he died, buried, rose again, went, went up to be with the Father. Okay, but we also remember what? He's here with us right now. The Holy Spirit is here. You can pray right now. You can ask anything according to God's name, Jesus' name. You can ask for that. The Holy Spirit's groaning inside of you. Jesus at the right hand of the Father saying, God, I paid for him. And God the Father's like, let's go, right? That's fellowship. And this, thanks for coming tonight. This is a picture of that fellowship. We're together, right? But you can be together all the time with Jesus through the Holy Spirit, with the Father, all the time. I just wanted to point that out to you because I think sometimes it gets so lonely in COVID and we're just like, man, it's just so hard. It's so lonely. I'm like, more time with God. Start praying. Start praying. Ask God for warmth, for comfort, for friendship. He wants to be your friend. And you have more time for God right now than you probably ever had. And the world has given you that. Or maybe Jesus did. All right? All right. Now, last thing. This right here. Levi spent a lot of time making these. I hope that you enjoy them. Put it up somewhere in your house where it reminds you to do exactly what we just talked about. To have communion. Okay? Because it's a continuous thing. It's a continuous thing. You can pray for Lift Church with this, but it's also a very vertical logo. It can remind you to spend some time with him. All right? That's why we gave you this. It's a gift to you. We love you. And we want to see your relationship with God go vertical. All right, let's pray. Father God, thank you for these guys. They, they've been so patient. And um, I pray that even now, we sing, as we leave, that we'll leave filled up. More joy. God, only you can do that through your Holy Spirit. I've tried to convince people. I've tried to persuade them, but I'm not sure that um, my persuasion or, or, or uh, talking will help apart from your Holy Spirit doing a work in each one's heart. So we ask for that, Lord, now, even now as we sing, in Jesus' name, amen.